You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. You don't scare me. I got chunks of guys like you in my stool. We're back on The Pipeline Show. We're going to end this week's episode by heading south of the border to Plymouth, Michigan, and a good friend of The Pipeline Show, Pete Krupski, the voice, longtime voice, broadcast voice of junior hockey, and now he's been with the U.S. National Development Team for... Geez, Pete, tell me, how long have you been calling the games now for Team USA? I never left my cubicle from one team to another, <laughs> and I started in 2015. So uh, technically, I guess I'm starting my fifth year with uh, the National Team Development Program, and it's been a lot of fun. Well, and, uh, of course, you've been uh, a guest on the Pipeline Show for, well, geez, almost since the, the Pipeline Show existed, I think, back in 2006. Back then, you were calling games for the Plymouth Whalers. I, I believe it was Plymouth uh, when we first had you on. Uh, was there another team that you called games for before that? Uh, I actually started in high school hockey in the mid-'80s, and I moved to the University of Michigan at Dearborn. Mm. And then uh, in 1990, um, Peter Carmanos was awarded a, an OHL franchise, which started in Detroit and ended in Plymouth. And in 2015, uh, I, uh, the, the Whalers were sold, moved to Flint. And as I said before, I never left my cubicle. I moved from one team to another, and... Uh, it's been a real nice page turner for me to work uh, for the national program here, the national team development program. A lot of good people here, a lot of kindred spirits, and uh, obviously a lot of talent uh, off the ice and on the ice. It's been great. A lot of talent on the ice, and uh, we've heard it said that this, there's something special about this year's team. Uh, and statistically speaking, man, it's mind-blowing comparing this year's club to some of the teams and some of the big-name players uh, who have come through the program uh, during their tenure and just how statistically, I mean, Jack Hughes and Cole Caulfield, their stats this year just are blowing people out of the water compared to guys who had played in the program before. What makes this year's team that much better than every other U18 squad we've seen before that? Well, they, they tend to play at a faster pace than most. They, uh, they always have the puck. Uh, obviously, they have skill. I think a lot of it has to do with the coaching. Uh, I think head coach John Robleski and uh, the the associate coach Dan Hynote, along with the interim head coach, the interim uh, the intern coach uh, Kevin Lind, have all done a fabulous job. Our goaltending coach Thomas Spear. So it's been a real uh, real uh, good marriage uh, between coaching and uh, the players executing on the ice. And uh, perhaps what's forgotten about is. Uh, all of these NTDPU 18 guys just love to play. They love to be at the rink. They burn to improve every day, and um, and they do that. So it's been kind of, I won't say it's one thing or another. It's a combination of about five or six things that makes this team so dominant. I've got some stats for you here. This is a team that went 90-33-2 in its two-year term for a 740 winning percentage. They are the highest, the highest scoring age group in NTDP history with uh, 679 goals, and that eclipsed the 97 team, which had guys like Austin Matthews and, and others. Uh, Austin Matthews among, um, let's see, I've got the list here, Luke Cunnan, uh, Troy Terry, Tage Thompson, Matthew Kachuk, Colin White, Charlie McAvoy, a lot of guys that are in the NHL now. So yeah. this group was was dominant. One Stat I like to talk about is how well he did against college teams this year. This is a team that won at Notre Dame, won at Michigan, won at Harvard, won at Dartmouth, won at St. Cloud State, uh, won at Wisconsin, and won at Minnesota Duluth. You know, it's hard to go into those uh, yeah. college rinks and win uh, 
for for a team as talented as uh, the NTDP. I mean, they're usually younger by two or three years, and sometimes more than that. But this team more than held their own against the college teams. They went 10-6-1 overall, and I believe that's close to a, another NTDP record for, for an age group. Uh, but they're just, they, they just have a ton of talent. Uh, they love being at the rink. They love to play for one another. I think that's another uh, uh, intangible that people overlook. And uh, for me as a broadcaster, uh, you know, as excellent as they were on the ice, I tried to match that with my calls and the fact that so many uh, members of the extended family were watching and listening, and, and frankly, a lot of NHL people were watching and listening too. So um, it's been a terrific two years. And this team has definitely set a lot of records uh, that it's going to be hard for, for upcoming groups to try to match or break. Uh, uh, just a terrific uh, group all around. When you're mentioning uh, all the teams, the college teams they beat, uh, I mean, some of those, St. Cloud was the number one ranked team more often than not this year. They beat them in at uh, St. Cloud, and, uh, and uh, they beat Duluth in Duluth, national champions, two-time uh, defending national champions now. So pretty impressive for sure. At the at the time, Notre Dame in October was listed in the top two or three. Same with Michigan; uh, they were listed in top five. And uh, I was at Notre Dame on on October the seventh. The U18s dominated that game, winning four to one. It could have been more than four to one. They went right into Michigan uh, the following weekend and beat Michigan six to three. Michigan at the time was in the top five. Um, and the, the thing that might be overlooked by a lot of people. Most of these guys are committed to college, so when they go to the college campus to play at places like Michigan or Notre Dame or Boston University, they really get up for these games, and uh, they want to put on a good showing, and uh, this 2001 age group certainly did that this year. All right, well, let's talk about some of those individuals, and we probably should start with uh, the guy who uh, led the team uh, in scoring this year uh, and, uh, and is expected to go First overall in the NHL draft in Jack Hughes, and uh, his numbers while at the program, ridiculous. 228 points in 110 games, uh, and this year he had 112 points, 34 of which were goals in 50 games. And this is bearing in mind that he wasn't always 100%. I mean, he battled some injuries and maybe some illness along the way this year, too. Pretty remarkable. Well, yeah, he did battle an injury midseason, uh, but the thing about Jack Hughes, you know, you, you look at his talent on the ice, I think it's often overlooked his work ethic off the ice and the fact that he burns to be a premier player, not just at the NTDP level or at the college level. I mean, he's dead set about playing in the NHL next year, and I would not be surprised to, to see him maybe after a little bit of an adjustment to play very, very well uh, in, in the National Hockey League. Uh, the thing that uh, head coach John Robleski likes to talk about are the number of scoring chances that Hughes generates when he's on the ice, you know, there, there was a game last year where he got, he got stripped of the puck uh, on a four check and, and a guy went in and scored. And that's something I, it's probably the only time I've ever seen that in two years where, where a guy took it off Hughes and went in and scored. But the, the scoring chances he generates uh, on a, on a, on a shift to shift basis, on a game to game basis, uh, on a, on all the time is just uh, staggering. So wherever he goes in the NHL, uh, the defenders are going to have to be aware of him. They might stop him the first time. They might stop him the second time. I don't think they're going to stop him the third time. Uh, and there's, you know, talk about him being too small. Uh, I think he, well, he's working on that right now as we speak. He's, uh, he, he's uh, working as hard away from the rink and in the training room as he does on the ice. Uh, 
Uh, he's just been a fun guy to watch. And, and you know, you, you mentioned a leading scorer. He also leads the team in media obligations, and uh, he's done that rather well, too. <laughs> yes, of course. I haven't had, been able to get him on the show yet, but fingers crossed. A couple other guys uh, still to get on my uh, to-do list as well. Uh, just going back to his stats for a second, that 228-point uh, total over the last couple of years is so impressive, and especially when you compare it to, I mean, Clayton Keller's number two on the all-time list. He's got almost 40 points more than the next guy. That it, it's just it's staggering to me how a guy can be that much better uh, than some really really good players who have come before him. Well, Guy, as I said before, he just generates so many scoring opportunities, and not just for himself. It's for the other four guys on the ice, and uh, he's just a threat every time he's out on the ice. You know, and again, he's got detractors. He's too small. Well, he's working on that. Mm-hmm. Some will say he doesn't wear uh, he doesn't win enough faceoffs. He's working on that. Some are saying, well, his shot isn't very much. I've seen him work uh, for an hour after practice working strictly on his shot or even before practice. So uh, whatever flaws he has, and there are very few, he's going to work to correct those. And, and that, that's the, the one thing I think separates him from, from maybe a lot of players is the fact that he'll put in the time, he'll put in double the time if he has to to improve. But, uh, uh, you know, He's going to go first overall. I don't think there's any question, in my opinion. And uh, whoever drafts him is going to be a, a fine player, going to get a fine player, and uh, he's going to be a, an excellent uh, representative, uh, first himself and his family, but then of uh, whichever NHL team gets him. Uh, now the next guy to chat about is Cole Caulfield, who, and again, another mind-blowing statistical season for him, 126 goals now uh, in his career with the program. Next closest guy is Austin Matthews of 79. Sure, Caulfield's played, what, 19 games more, but, uh, I mean, there's a long list of players. Nobody's cracked 80, and Caulfield is sitting there with 126. Again, that's mind-blowing. Well, I mean, if you saw him play every every game and, and saw the way he shoots, and, and if you saw his passion for scoring goals, uh, you know, it, it's kind of funny. Our games are produced by the Schoolcraft College Sports Network, and, uh, our technical group put microphones behind each net, and you can always tell when Cole Caulfield scores because usually there's a scream afterwards. <laughs> and uh, he just loves to score goals. He works on a shot all the time. We've got a shooting room uh, downstairs in the training center. He's he's down there every day probably for an hour shooting pucks. Uh, so he's got an outstanding shot, uh, an accurate shot, a powerful shot. What's overlooked about Caulfield is his all-around game. I mean, he could run a power play for a team in the future. Um, head coach John Robleski always, always seems to talk a lot about the fact in a one-goal hockey game with uh, his team uh, looking to defend, uh, he can put Cole Caulfield out there, and Caulfield will do a good job. Um, he, he's he's very, very intelligent uh, in all areas of the ice. And, and you know, there there were times where, Hughes and Caulfield were a penalty-killing duo out there. Think about that. <laughs> That's pretty powerful. <laughs> That's crazy to think of. One of the things, uh, Pete Krupski is the uh, voice of the, uh, the U.S. National Development Program. He's my guest here on the Pipeline Show uh, chatting about just the dominance of that uh, that team this year and, well, the last couple of years uh, for that group of kids. Uh, Pete, you always send me uh, play-by-play clips and stuff like that and, and videos. And one you sent me of uh, Cole Caulfield, I mean, he's scoring from the corner. I mean, his bum is almost touching the boards, and he throws the puck on net and scores. This is a guy who seems to be dangerous wherever he is on the ice. Let me ask you, is there anyone else in this draft class that can score a goal like that? Now, when I broadcast games, Guy, I like to be surprised. That that goal, 
more than surprised. That blew my mind for a few seconds. I had to compose myself because I've never seen a goal like that. And, and again, he was beyond the goal line, like you say. His his back was to the uh, the boards in the far corner, and he uh, looked like he almost banked it off the head of uh, Maxim Zukov. But I've never seen a goal like that in in 30 years of broadcasting, and uh, that's one of my favorite clips of the year. Obviously, yeah, that's crazy. And again, you look at his scoring prowess this year compared to the compared to the rest of the draft class. And Arthur Kaliev had a terrific season in the OHL with the Hamilton Bulldogs. He had 51 goals, and, and uh, another player out of the OHL and. And Kitchener, Jonathan Yancey said, 50 goals. Those are great seasons. Caulfield had 72 goals. He's just that much better than everybody else. It's, uh, it's ridiculous when it comes to goal scoring. Well, here's a stat for you. I'm pulling it up now. Uh, you know, again, uh, the U18s play uh, a lot of college teams, a lot of Division One college teams. And, again, the knock on Caulfield by some people is his size, right? Sure, sure. 17 college games to Cole Caulfield, 14 goals, Five assists, 19 points, and a staggering for me, 77 shots on goal in 17 games. So if if he's going up against bigger, stronger guys and a six foot two D, uh, I think he'll he'll figure out a way to get his shots. He'll figure out a way to score. Uh, I've seen it for two years at this level. It's going to continue at Wisconsin. It's going to continue in the National Hockey League. Uh, really impressive for sure. Uh, all right, lots of other guys we can chat about. Uh, tell me about Trevor Zegris and and uh, maybe I mean you get, almost kind of get overshadowed because of some of the other guys on the team. But this is another guy who should go in the top ten. Trevor Zegris is uh, ex- how can I say it? He's almost like a mad scientist out there with his creativity, and in some ways he's as creative or more creative than Jack Hughes. Uh, he's just an outstanding passer. Uh, he has grown physically in the last two years where he is very competitive on the puck, very tenacious on the puck. Uh, he helped uh, run a very good power play that was running around 30%. Uh, he is able to work with Hughes and Caulfield. That was a line for a time uh, for John Robleski last year. Just a dynamic player. Uh, Robleski likes to talk about his half-court game his ha- from, from the uh, – Red line in. He's as dangerous as anyone. He can break down defensemen, uh, and he certainly has the passing skills to make uh, any forward look really, really good. But uh, if Zegra's sitting there at 10 for uh, Vancouver or a little bit earlier for Edmonton, uh, they're going to get a, an outstanding player in Trevor Zegras. Could be another guy in Matthew Boldy who's available right around those uh, spots as well. And I, I've had Matt on the show and uh, really enjoyed the conversation with him. And uh, what stands out a little bit compared to the rest of the forwards is he's a big guy. He's he's what six two and a bit and, and over two hundred pounds. Maybe that helps him at the next level. And this is a this is a guy who plays that power forward role, correct? That's correct. Uh, and of of all the uh, U18s in his age group, I think Boldy has probably grown physically the most over two years. And you know his dad's six foot two, six foot three. So maybe it was a combination of uh, his workout his work ethic uh, away from the rink and uh, just growing into his body a little bit. But he's used his size to his advantage. Uh, he's got a heavy shot. If, if you need somebody to, to dish the puck uh, to somebody else to distribute it, he can do that. But he can score uh, as well as as well as just about anybody but Caulfield. And uh, I would put him up there with Caulfield in terms of scoring goals. He can do just about anything for you. He can kill penalties. He can work well on a power play. He can probably work on a third or fourth line to start in the NHL, 
but he won't be there very long. He's just a well-rounded, skillful player, and again, if he's sitting there 8th, ninth, 10th, 11th, somebody's going to get a really, really good player in um, Matthew Boldy, a well-rounded player for sure. Well, my team's the Flyers. They're picking 11th, so if uh, he happened to be there, I, I wouldn't be disappointed in that at all. Uh, Alex Turcott won't be there when uh, the number 11 pick comes around, that's for sure. Uh, he's 37 uh, games this year, still had 62 points, almost a goal per game with 27 goals this year. Uh, a guy that uh, maybe didn't uh, get to play as much as you'd want to in your draft year, but certainly the scouts know what he's all about. Well, he was hurt for a time, and he contracted uh, mononucleosis in another part of the year. But when he was healthy and rolling, uh, he was, in, in his own way, uh, Guy, as dominant as Hughes, and uh, especially in USHL competition. He would judge. Uh, and again, if Hughes is more east and west and more finesse, uh, Turcotte will just run you right over and go right to the rack and, and either uh, dish it off for, for a scoring chance or score it himself. Uh, just a well-rounded player. He wins his fair, his, his fair share of drives. You can put him in a penalty-killing situation. He won't hurt you, probably help you. Uh, you can put him in any situation. So if he's sitting a third overall and Chicago's there, I think that's a perfect fit because Turcotte comes from Chicago uh, and – the Hawks, although they're on a bit of a rise right now, they need as many good players as they can get. I think Turcotte would fit that bill really, really well. Uh, and the Blackhawks uh, like college guys, and uh, Turcotte headed to uh, Wisconsin, I believe. So is uh, Cole Caulfield, right? And Owen Lindmark, and um, so Tony Granato's done a nice job recruiting. All right. A uh, couple of defensemen I wanted to ask you about, Cam York, uh, as well as Alex Vlasic. I I've had uh, people tell me, scouts, I mean, very different players, I've had some uh, scouts tell me Vlasic, uh, although he doesn't have the offensive upside, maybe that uh, that York does, might be the better overall uh, pro defenseman. Um, can you maybe contrast uh, Cam York and, and Alex Vlasic? Tell us a bit about both. Cam York is uh, comes from Anaheim Hills, California. Kind of patterns his game after Cam Fowler. Okay. So, I mean, he's not going to run guys through the wall. But he, this is a guy who really came on offensively, I think, from November on. He's the kind of guy who's got a low panic threshold out there. You can put him in any defensive situation, probably block a shot, probably eat a puck, and then what he'll do is uh, he'll knock the puck down, first uh, good pass out of the zone, maybe he'll lead a line rush and uh, into the offensive zone and either dish it off or score himself. So he's really come on uh, offensively. A quick funny story, in the middle of January, um, the U18s were hosting um, – Youngstown, and a scout that I've known for 30 years uh, came up to me and said, what's going on with this York guy? He's only got three goals, Krupp. Come on. You know, he's supposed to be an offensive player. I said, well, yeah, I mean, he's got, you know, he's kind of a, a puck distributor. I, I said, I think he'll be all right. So that night against Youngstown, he scored three goals and four assists, a seven-point night. And so about a month later, I saw the same scout. I said, hey, what do you think now? He said, well, I put in my report for that night that uh, York isn't going to score seven points every night, but uh, he's changed my mind around. He's pretty good. Now, Alex Vlasic is a little bit different. He got very little special teams play time, especially on the power play. Uh, he's about six foot six, six foot seven. He's, uh, he's got a relation in the National Hockey League, uh, Mark Edward Vlasic. Yep. He's got a sister. That's, uh, was the captain of the Yale University women's team, um, this year. So there was a lot of chirping, uh, going back and forth between brother and sister. He's the kind of guy you might get a half a stride around him uh, to the outside, but he's always going to shut you down. 
and that was the one really impressive thing for me about Alex Vlasic. His 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 uh, wingspan and his length, uh, you just don't get around him. Right now, he's a, he's an excellent shutdown defenseman. He skates better than people give him credit for. I saw him score a shorthanded goal last year in Chicago, which gave us uh, the NTDP its first ever playoff uh, series win. A shorthanded goal in overtime in Chicago, an outstanding individual effort. And he kidded me after. He said, you didn't think I could do that, uh, um, did you? And I, I said, I, I was a little surprised, but having seen you play, I wasn't that surprised. It was an outstanding play. So I think in time, there will be more offense to his game, but right now everybody looks at his size and looks at his length and looks how he can shut down um, the opposition uh, offensive players. Uh, somebody's going to get a really, really good player in a couple of years in Alex Vlasic. Pete, uh, two more questions for you before I let you go. I have to ask you about Spencer Knight. Uh, you've been uh, covering junior hockey for a long time, whether it's the OHL or, or here with the uh, the program. Uh, there's some, there seems to be something special about Spencer Knight. We don't see goalies taken in the first round all that often, but almost seems like a lock this year. It sure seems like it. Uh, the thing about Spencer Knight, if you watch him play a lot, it looks like uh, nothing spectacular is going on there because he tries to play under control. He tries to have a calm presence out there, and I think that rubs off on the rest of his team. But he's a freak uh, athletic, and you saw that in the in the combine. He, he did a lot of great things in the combine that raised a few eyebrows. Um, he's he you know he. he He's played in international competition now going on two years. He's played in the IIHF World U18s, which is the highest stage at this age group, and has played well. Uh, he's not won a gold medal there, but he has competed well. Somebody is going to get uh, a real good player. I agree. Goaltenders usually aren't taken in the first round, but I think Knight is uh, is worthy of that. And, uh, you know, he, he's worth watching. And, in two or three years, it might add statistically, he is the winningest goaltender in NTDP history with 58, and that's uh, that beats guys like Rick DiPietro and Jack Campbell and uh, Dylan St. Cyr and, and some other pretty good goaltenders. So whoever drafts him is going to get a winner, that's for sure. Lastly, Pete, who's the guy who doesn't get enough attention, that deserves more recognition than, than he's gotten this year? Ooh, um, well, I'll tell you the ones the scouts are, are intrigued with. Well, there's two. I'll tell you about the one that the scouts are intrigued with, and that's John Beecher. He's ranked 49th. He's a tall, lanky, uh, left-handed shot, growing into his body, skates like the wind. Uh, when five U-17s were brought up to the U-18s in 2017-18, uh, Beecher really helped carry his team uh, offensively. So, Right now, he's, a, he's an excellent face-off man. The scouts say, well, crap, what do you think? Is he, a, is, he a, is he a wing or is he a centerman? Well, he wins a lot of face-offs. He's probably our second-best face-off man. He kills penalties really well. I think in time when he goes to Michigan, he'll be figuring out the offensive end. So for, for me, John Beecher is the one that the scouts are intrigued with because they can't quite figure out if he's a, a wing or a centerman. Okay. Probably uh, one of the most underrated guys is ranked 77th. He's uh, Case McCarthy, a right-handed defenseman out of the Buffalo area. Um, he was like plus 39 uh, in one year, plus 30 in another year. Just a steady, stay-at-home defenseman. He's going to wear an A eventually in college hockey, and I wouldn't be surprised if he was wearing an A or a C uh, in the NHL. Uh, just a dependable, steady, 
stay-at-home defenseman that can uh, join the offensive rush if, if he has to. But uh, I think uh, in time, somebody's going to get a really good NHL player there, a guy that might be able to play 10 or 12 years in the NHL. But Case McCarthy is worth watching. The other thing about Case McCarthy, uh, he lived with Ryan Martin and his family in Northville, Michigan. Uh, Ryan Martin is the assistant general manager of the Detroit Red Wings. Now, I asked Case more than once, do you guys ever like talk hockey? Do you ever criticize the Red Wings power play or and, and he just laughed he said no we, we rarely talk hockey but uh but Case McCarthy is is somebody worth watching excellent I know Patrick Moynihan was the guy that I think a lot of the players uh, singled out at the combine when they were asked a similar question but uh, so I was well, that, that that is another one and uh, the associate coach uh, Dan Hynote calls uh, Monahan sneaky uh, skilled Sometimes he's not so sneaky. Sometimes he's just outright skilled. And, uh, again, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he was a guy uh, over the last two years you could plug him in uh, with any center at any time, and he would be productive. Now, this is a guy, you know, speaking of Moynihan, I mean, he had 46 points this year, but only two were on the power play. So he didn't get a whole lot of power play time, was still very, very productive and a very skilled player. And, uh, you know, one shift he might work uh, with Jack Hughes. The next time he might be, the next shift he might go out with Alex Turcott or Trevor Zegers. He was always a threat out there. And, uh, again, uh, you know, he might not be a first-round pick or first overall pick, but he's ranked 73rd. Somebody's going to get a good player that's going to grow and develop in college hockey for a year or two, and they'll have a real uh, real good player in Patrick Moynihan. Yeah, going to a good school at Providence and good coach in Nate Lehman, so uh, one to watch for sure. Pete, you're the best. Always appreciate when you make time for the Pipeline Show, and it's uh, great to catch up once again. Thanks for doing this. All right, I'll try to get a couple players for you next week. I appreciate that, Pete. All right, see ya. That's a great way to end an episode uh, with Pete Krupski, longtime voice of the, well, I guess not longtime voice of the uh, U.S. National Development Program, but a longtime voice in junior hockey as he uh, was with the Plymouth Whalers when we first first started doing the Pipeline Show. And uh, I have to say, one of the best uh, uh, media guys, team, uh, like uh, the media contact uh, for uh, the media. Uh, you call him and you ask him to set up an interview, and he goes the extra mile to, to, to make it happen. Uh, always really appreciate uh, Pete and everything he's done for the the Pipeline show over the last, uh, well, 14-plus seasons. And you heard him at the end. Maybe we'll get one of those three guys uh, on before the NHL draft. That would be terrific. That does wrap up this week's episode, though. Looking ahead to next week, it's going to be more of the same. 2019 draft spotlight segments. Uh, from now until the uh, the NHL draft. A reminder, you can hear the TSN 1260 NHL draft coverage. Uh, myself, uh, Andrew Peard, who uh, called games for the Oil Kings this year, and um, Alan Mitchell, a.k.a. Low Tide of TSN 1260, and uh, pretty pretty popular guy on Twitter, especially if you're an Oiler fan. Uh, we'll all be doing the draft show on TSN 1260 on uh, Friday, June 21st, that evening. Uh, who are the guests uh, lined up for next week? Well, we don't know at this point. I don't have any uh, confirmed guests. Uh, you heard uh, Pete say he's going to try to get me a couple of players. I've had a call into uh, one USHL team for probably the highest ranking guy that I haven't had on the show yet. Uh, so maybe we'll get that uh, guest on. I've had a couple of uh, suggestions come into the inbox uh, as uh, answers to the question of the day, which was uh, 2019 eligible players that I haven't had on yet. Who do you want me to get on? Uh, so there's been a couple of names given to me uh, that way, so I might uh, endeavor 
to do that as well. But uh, whatever it is or whoever it is, you can expect it to be draft-eligible players between now and the NHL draft on June 21st. Quick thank you to everyone who signed up to be a patron at patreon.com slash show. If you don't know what that what I'm talking about when I say that, just go to that website, the patreon.com slash show. Be a little uh, video. Uh, hide your uh, young children because it's me talking on the video. You don't want to frighten them. Uh, lots of little bonuses and stuff. Uh, it's for basically for people who want to support the show and, and uh, make sure that I'm able to keep doing the show. There is a cost involved in doing the show, and uh, I don't rely completely on advertisers as uh, it is a podcast. And sometimes it's harder to pick up uh, advertisers and sponsors with a podcast than it was with radio. And so a lot of uh, listeners wanted to uh, chip in. So a buck, a couple of bucks a month, five bucks, some people throw in a bit more than that. Um, but it's all set up automatically on your credit card. Really simple to do. Uh, and uh, you get rewards for it. And uh, one of those is early access to all of these interviews. So uh, all four interviews are heard on the show today. Uh, patrons of The Pipeline Show at patreon.com slash show. They've had access to those interviews, a couple of them for sure, since like Monday or Tuesday. All right. Until next week, everybody. My name is Keith Flaming. See ya. <laughs>